Hey, this is Maya. And I'm Stephanie. And you're listening to The What Project. Where you'll hear inspiring stories of hope. Hey everyone, welcome back to The What Project. It's season two! Woohoo! I'm very excited because we're going to have a really awesome season with some awesome testimonies, and I cannot wait. What about you, Maya? Yeah, I'm excited to get started recording again. Yeah, I think we have some awesome testimonies coming up, and I cannot wait to hear them. And we cannot wait to share them with you, our listeners. Today, I'm excited because we have our friend, Amanda. Hey, Amanda. Hi, Steph. How's it going? Hi, Maya. So, Amanda, tell us something fun about yourself. I like spicy food. So if we ever go out to eat together, I would prefer Indian. That's too much spice for me. (laughs) I'm too Norwegian for that. (laughs) Yeah, I think the Scandinavian runs strong. Interestingly enough, though, with each pregnancy, I liked spice more. So I have four kids. Now I can eat fairly spicy food, but... I'm not the person that's going to be like, I'll try the ghost pepper. <laughs> yeah. Not me. Yeah, no. <laughs> I really liked Mexican food after I moved to California. It took me moving to California to really be cultured enough to like it. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's about as spicy as I get. I made a trip out and studied abroad in Jamaica briefly. And when I was there, I liked seafood, but I don't really like seafood here. I got back and thought I did. And so I went and ordered like shrimp something. Yeah. And I was going, oh, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> nope, just there. It's different. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it's really fresh. And it was spicy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we really appreciate, uh, Amanda, you sitting down with us and just talking with us this evening. And I was wondering if you could share with us a little bit more about your God story and how you got to know Jesus. Yes. So um, I would say growing up, my experience was not very Jesus-filled. So I grew up in a home that was a little more messy and comparable to Jacob's family in Genesis. And Um, So there were a lot of people involved and a lot of parental figures and everything was just a little bit chaotic and dysfunctional and messy. And uh, so there was Jesus that appeared here and there in moments and snippets, but uh, for the most part, there wasn't like firm foundations laid um, or a significant amount of religious atmosphere in our home, uh, there was a lot of other things going on. So for me, uh, in that, my mom would send me sometimes with our neighbors, and I would get a little bit of uh, Baptist background with them because they'd bring me to Awana or some of their VBS sort of things when I was real young. And then uh, occasionally my mom would go to a Lutheran church, and so we would attend service there. Uh, And then when I got to be about 10, my parents divorced, and that was then a transition period where my mom found a new husband, and they got married, and he didn't want to go to church, and so 
that just dropped off completely uh, when they got married. So during the teen years and all of that, there really wasn't a presence at all. Um, Was that something that you were okay with? Like, do you remember ever having a desire to go to church or coming up in your social circles at all? Or was it just how it was and that was okay? I would not say we were in religious circles. So we didn't live in the greatest part of town. There were people that did things that weren't great in the neighborhood. And I went to a public school. So God was not something that was very present there. So it was not like I was getting that from the people surrounding me so much. Yeah. So moving on from that, I know my mom, when I talk to her and she looks back and it's like, well, I wanted you to believe in God, you know, and she had a belief, but it just wasn't instilled. And there was so much happening and distraction and such that I don't, I don't think it landed and I didn't understand it. So do you have siblings? I do. Yeah. Complicated siblings. Yeah. <laughs> but you had a busy house and there, you know, you weren't the only child. No. There were yeah. other kids around. Yep. And grew up as a middle. <laughs> yes. Yep. So anyway, as time passed, I would consider myself pretty well-behaved, good person, you know, like I didn't get into a ton of trouble. Generally speaking, um, my husband and I, we got married at 18 and wanted to do things right even though we didn't necessarily understand where the right was coming from, we were feeling very convicted to follow certain, you know, understandings of the world. And I think part of that is seeing it done wrong so many times that as you think through the logic and what God lays out, you will come to that conclusion eventually. I believe that if you think about it long enough. Um, otherwise I think of the verses too about having the Gentiles having the law written on their hearts. And so even as non-believers, we walked a path that we didn't quite understand, but were convicted to follow in some ways. So, yeah. So you kind of feel like yeah. God had a call on you even before you yeah. knew it. Yeah. <laughs> and you had a desire to live, you know, according to his moral law, but you didn't quite know why. Yes. Yeah. So we even had people tell us not to. (laughs) (laughs) Trusted, loving people in our lives were telling us to wait, to just put it off, live together first. Like that was the kind of advice we got. So it was going against the grain in a sense with the circles that we were in. So yeah. But as uh, we went to college and different things like Jesus, God, the idea of all of that completely left the picture. He was on the back burner and then just altogether went away. We tried going to a Lutheran church together as a married couple initially on campus. We saw we were the only ones without gray hair. And that was a hard, that was a hard thing to, if you don't have those foundations to really keep striving and pushing for. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, we didn't grow up with youth groups and all these things, either one of us. And so it wasn't like a culture we were continuing. It would have been a culture we were starting. And in that culture, we were at a university and there it's very different too. And being in the sciences and different areas of expertise, there wasn't a whole lot of space for that in where we were. And I didn't know how to make it fit. And I hadn't met anyone 
that would help me make it fit either. So um, I struggled with that. And for clarification, you're talking about faith in those circles. There wasn't room for faith in that. Yes. Yep. The atmosphere was very different than that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you remember feeling like you had a longing for it or was it on the back burner enough to where you felt content and happy yeah. just kind of moving forward? No, nope. I was content to move forward. Distraction was my friend and I didn't think much about it, mm-hmm. honestly. I had, you know, worldly goals and I was going to achieve those and that was the track I was on. And so it wasn't until out of college and some time later that it started to creep in as like, you should revisit this. You should think about this again. You may have gotten that wrong. Maybe you should look at it. And I can't say what triggered that, but um, I maybe seven, eight years ago-ish, maybe more, hard to say, that started to brew. And so I reached out to some different people that I knew were believers, friends of ours, and kind of asked for some guidance or some books. Or if we looked at, eventually I was looking to go to a church because I wanted to learn, not because I believed, but because I wanted to learn. And I knew that there would be a pastor or somebody, right, priest, whatever, that is there to be the teacher. And so with the curiosity and that desire to seek, we eventually did seek out a church and I was reading a lot of apologetic sort of books. And I have recommendations from others, the Letters from a Skeptic, if you've heard of any of those. I also read books about near-death experiences. And there's Imagine Heaven, which takes and compiles like a thousand different near-death experiences together and uh, sees how scripture ties in to all of these, whether they were believers in Christ or not. And that was as close as I could get to hard evidence because you can read and understand and have like this desire to get there, but there's still that last leap. There's still the last jump you have to make. And so I was getting hung up on that last jump. Like how do I, I really wanted it to be scientifically possible to just prove that this was real and this happened and it existed. And um, so there were different books I read that got very close to that with the resurrection and different pieces that they covered. Uh, And the near-death experiences, though anecdotal, when you started to put them all together, felt like they were painting a bigger picture of something a little more understandable and tangible. Um, And so I definitely came at it from an analytic mindset. Were Uh, you kind of looking at the science side of it too, because that was kind of your background? uh, Perhaps. I mean, nursing is my background, so caring for people and biology and all of those sorts of things, Mm -hmm. which also then, you know, how that plays into God having a hand in it and all of that kind of had to sort through those things as well. Yeah, I'd say I was was looking for all of that and wanted to go to a a church eventually. I did run into some bumps along the way. I had a a Christian friend that told me I shouldn't go to their church if I don't believe this, this, and this. I don't belong there oh, we're switching leadership, don't go to that church because then the leadership would be. And I was going, this is like the worst Christian advice I can ever get. (laughs) I'm like, I'm not Christian, but I feel like you're not selling me on any of this right now. Like you should be inviting me in, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But um, 
I think that's a good point to bring <laughs> up, though, is that I think sometimes Christians and churches are viewed as like perfection, or that's even how people somehow personify that title. And I don't think that's true. Like a Christian is still a person that struggles with sin and doesn't always, you know, act in a way that is kind and compassionate to everybody around them. Not that there shouldn't be some marked differences, but like those things you mentioned, those are real issues that happen at churches. And that's true. And I think it's okay that we acknowledge that. And it doesn't mean that we don't try to improve things or we don't handle things uh, in accordance to scripture, but I think it's true that there can be messy things that happen at church. Yeah. 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 But yes, I wasn't looking for perfection. I was just looking for a teacher. Yeah. (laughs) And some guidance. Uh, But we did end up going to a church. We had lived in Rochester at the time and we were there for a while, but I kind of felt like we were kind of hypocritical because we were coming and everyone kind of assumed we believed or that we had baptized our children or that we were, there was just an underlying assumption of all those things. And, but no, I was there just to learn and to listen and to gain knowledge and have some guidance on that. And so we went to that church for probably a year and then we had moved to the location we're at now. So when we moved, um, that dropped off because we were no longer going to attend there. And we didn't search for another church. We had enough just distraction and things happening, birth of another child, and we were still trying to keep our ties in Rochester, even though we had moved an hour away and we didn't want to necessarily let go of all those people quite yet. It was hard. (laughs) Um, And so we didn't necessarily put roots down right away uh, here where we were. Uh, And then pandemic hit shortly after. We had moved 2019 and then the pandemic hit shortly after. And with that, everything went shut down and isolation and the whole thing and it all went dark. So during that time of searching and you were reading those books and just really looking for someone to guide you, did you A, ever read your Bible, and B, did anyone ever suggest to you that you just read God's Word? Yes, that was suggested, and I tried, and I was not ready. I opened it, and I closed it multiple times over. I would read portions in. I also So this is something I also talk to non-believers or people that are fresh into Christianity I say I made the mistake of thinking I could open and read it like a novel. You do not open and read it like a novel. It's not a cover to cover. It's a library. So it's very different. And that was not explained to me by anyone. So I started in Genesis and was trying to work my way through to the other end. And it's a rough read. Like if you don't, and I was also expecting because my little snippets in childhood were like the Ten Commandments. This is how you behave. This is the right way. This is the wrong way. And I was reading about polygamy and rape and like all these terrible things. And I was going, where are all the saints? Where did we get these rules for life? Because these guys don't have it. And no one said like, keep reading Jesus, right? Like it all points to him. Keep going. (laughs) So, no, I slammed the book shut multiple times. And I so for me, the best way to scratch the surface was outside and work my way in because yeah. that wasn't doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I had to get to a place of much closer to a belief 
before I could get in there and actually do the the work of reading and comprehending and understanding and not looking at it all as, which I know some look at everything in the Bible as very literally, but I, I don't. And like when I go through and I see the symbolism and the deeper truths and this is teaching us something or may, we're not meant to live like this, we're supposed to see humanity in this or, you know, things like that. That's far more meaningful to me than when I read and I was like, oh, so we're supposed to have concubines. Oh, we're supposed to have this or that because I'm in the Old Testament and I'm not to the new yet, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, well, why would that be in there? Why is it in there? And so I had to sit and chew on a lot of those ideas and I wasn't ready to right away. Yeah. So... Well, that makes it sense, took time. really. It's, yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> it's not a light read. No. <laughs> and there's a lot of complicated stuff in there, but I think you nailed it yeah. with it being like, yeah, it is meant to show us our humanity and our sinful nature. And because of that, it points us to Jesus. Yeah. Because we are all in that state where we, we need Jesus to forgive us and rescue mm-hmm. us. And that's the beautiful part of the Bible. But yeah, there's some not so pleasant reads in there too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And to to really read that, yeah, before you actually have a relationship too. It's that's Yeah, that's I wouldn't rough. recommend starting with judges. <laughs> no. Right. Yeah. So with uh 2020 hitting in the lockdowns and all of that, the isolation really got to me and when you don't have all the noise and the distractions, you think harder about all those things that are supposed to derive meaning in life, or at least I did. (laughs) And I, I guess I came to the conclusion, what's the point? You know, so I went in a dark place over that period of time. And, you know, the searching before was a little lighthearted, a little get my feet wet and yeah, I'm interested, but I also have this other, I'm not too focused. And, um, so at that stage, since I wasn't doing any seeking at the moment, and I started to question, like, what is what is the point of life? And from what I'm seeing around me, it's like hedonism, seeking pleasure, like that's what people do are doing, you know. Or, um, you know, I would challenge my husband on this one, which <laughs> put him in a tough spot. And you know, one one of the answers I got is, well, we're building on generations and we're standing on the shoulders of giants and it's like well for what Mm. so our kids can do what why do I care what our kids do or succeed in if all I do is grow old or not die and rot in the ground like what really is the point of all of this yeah you were looking for meaning that's not meaningful yeah 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 you wanted some purpose to your life yes because at that point I did believe I would die and rot in the ground and the worms and that's the it that's it it's the end and you know the people that believed it was a wonderful fairy tale of how to um cope with something so depressing right and so uh with the quiet i was facing those thoughts head on and it is depressing and it does get dark and so i had suicidal ideations and uh, my husband stepped in and said okay we need to do something. We were going to church before. Why don't we, we should search for one. We put that off and we didn't, we haven't. So maybe we need to go back to seeking and trying to figure this out more because I don't have a good answer for you. <laughs> yeah. And obviously that's not going to work. So 
Um, then, yeah, we began seeking a church um, and found one. I started reading again, reading my Bible. I was willing to open it and go through it this time and looked at it with a new lens uh, as I was going through. Um, and when I was reading through it and I read it with vigor, I was very aggressively reading because um, I decided, no, I need, if, if I'm going to get on board with this, I need to know exactly what I'm signing up for. I'm not just going to read a couple nice verses in the New Testament and jump in the water and say, yay, Jesus. So like, no, I, I don't sign a contract without knowing the details. So I read very aggressively uh, through the Bible, and I was still struggling with that last jump. Uh, and so for the first time, I prayed. Like, I hadn't prayed probably since childhood when I was told to. And so <laughs> uh, I finally prayed and asked God, I said, you know, if you're, if you're real, if, if this is true, if all of this is your creation and this is the truth of what life is and the meaning and, you know, you're there, I need some sort of a sign. And I'm sure a lot of people ask for this. And so I said, like, I, I needed to be obvious. I needed to slap me in the face and I, I need to just not be able to deny it because I will, I will try. So, you know, me, God, like if, if you're who you say you are, you can do this because I've read what you're capable of, you know? And so like, I need this last, whatever, it, whatever it is. Um, and so I prayed that prayer and it was very genuine and very from the heart. And then I ended up having a dream that night, which in the dream, I was walking along with some people I don't know, because you have friends in dreams, you don't know them. But I was walking along in a field and things were very normal and dreamlike. And uh, I had a man come up to me that was somewhat more rugged. And he had kind of a reddish long hair and a backpack. And anyway, he came up and disrupted this whatever I was doing with these people, and told me, you should believe, and just disrupted the dream. And so I looked at him and I said, believe what? And he's going, you know, and you should believe. Mm -hmm. And I knew, I knew what he was talking about. I knew the first time what he was talking about, but, you know, takes that slap a couple times to really hammer it in. And so, yeah, after, after that, he just continued on his way. And I woke up and was terrified. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't expecting God to do that, right? <laughs> but, but yeah, so I was freaked out. I thought, okay, if I say anything about this, someone's going to think I'm nuts. Like, I want to, I want to tell everyone, but I, I want to tell nobody because it was so different and off from anything else. And what do I do with it now? Were there any doubts that crept in? Like, was that real? Was it? No. 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 You felt very solid in it? Yes. Yeah. No, I felt very solid in it. And at this point I had started reading a devotional. So I had a daily devotional I was reading and 
So I didn't say anything to anyone. I went downstairs and I opened my devotional and the title was Watchful Eyes. And it went on to talk about not fearing God in your life and just all these very much fitting pieces, you know, reassurance. It was a reassurance devotional to say, yes, I'm watching you. Yes, I'm here with you. Don't freak out. <laughs> it's going to be good, right? And so um, that did bring some reassurance to me that, okay, what I experienced was was real, was solid, and I, I don't need to be afraid. And so um, at that point, yeah, I, just from waking up, the belief was there, but it was a I, I know we're doing a Bible study now at the church, and it's covering holy fear, and that holy fear was thick yeah. when I woke up. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, which leads you to wisdom, right? And so, yeah, woke up with that holy fear, and um, that was the beginning of wisdom, right? So uh, from that point, yeah, I had believed and wanted to make that declaration. I wanted to helped to bring that kingdom. I wanted other people to know who he was. He was there and real and with us, listening, you know. Um, I I wrestled initially with just a past of denial, like of denying him. I thought, well, am I not worthy because I refused to believe before? And the Old Testament is pretty harsh on those people. Like the ground opens up and swallows them and and is that what's waiting for me? And yeah. if it is, God, that's all right. I will take the punishment, and but I will do better from this point forward. And, you know, so it took me a little while to realize, like, no, no, it's not just waiting to come and, you know, hit you with the rod necessarily. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. One of the verses yeah. that I've just had on my mind a lot today is a common one from Ephesians, and it just says that, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works that, so that no one can boast. And it just hit me how, like, leveling that is mm -hmm. because it's the same for everybody. It's whether you're rich, poor, broken family, whole family, you know, you live in Indonesia, you live in Africa, you live, you know, he's saying that it's for everyone and the, it's just grace that saves us. Mm -hmm. across the board. Yeah. So it's like that belief is all it takes is that recognition of like, yes, Jesus, you're real. I mm -hmm. believe in you. I understood what you did on the cross. And I think, yeah, that wrestling you have a little bit of like, well, are you going to open up the, you know, could you open up the ground and swallow me? But yeah. I think we, we do fall into that kind of easily because it's like we want to honor God. And that is a good desire to want to refine and, you know, cast off sin to be like Christ. But we never want to forget that simple truth where it begins that it's grace through faith that saves us. And there's nothing that, you know, we can boast about, but also nothing that we can do you know, to separate ourselves from God right. if we've, you know, expressed that belief and are walking in that. Yes. Well, I think that was also a part of the reassurance, not being afraid. Because, yeah, immediately when I realized, oh, okay, if you're really there, I blew it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and it's like, no, 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 it's okay. 
like I'm here and I am love and love exists because of me. And so if you are going to walk with me, that's not going to be a part of your story, right? Like, so yeah, that faith, faith piece is important. Yeah. And I think just the recognition that like coming humbly before God and knowing that you're a sinner that needs repentance can also coexist at the same time of God loving us perfectly and being able to, you know, look past our sin because of Christ. Like those two things can be happening at the same time. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of complicated. (laughs) You know, you kind of go in circles feeling like, but, 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 but it's true. Like that is part of the goodness of God is that we are still in our mortal bodies but God has covered us through that faith and we're forgiven, fully forgiven, you know, for everything past, present, future. And they can both be true at the same time. I think of, so Paul stood out to me and was very significant for me when um, coming to faith as well is that transformation is so dramatic and it's very deliberate that he's, as large of a figure as he is in the New Testament. But he goes to show like, hey, I was denying, persecuting. I was killing, you know, Jesus's people. And then there's this transformation that takes place and that faith, all this, you know, he has faith in his heart and he's a changed man. And now he's walking with God and that Jesus's sacrifice is covering him through that faith. And so, Paul was very significant to me. Um, And even I think of Peter's denials, like Mm -hmm. he even believed and walked in flesh with Jesus and still denied him. Like, so it wouldn't be the first time. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I needed that to know that, yes, I am loved and covered by the sacrifice as well. And so. Yeah, I think that's a very important point to make because even there's different personality types. I'm like a perfectionist, like to do everything just right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think that is more of my struggle. Like I, Stephanie and I just had this conversation. She was, you know, talking about conflict and I'm like, well, my desire would just be to do whatever it takes to not even create conflict. <laughs> and Stephanie's like, yeah, I can't do that. But but I think it's just one of those things that can be easy to fall into. You know, the longer you've walked with Christ, it's like you can start to think like, oh, but I should have done this. I knew better. I knew, you know. And yes, you want to keep working to be holy like God is holy, but to just never forget that grace piece and that God uses all people for his, you know, goodwill. And when we read our Bibles, sometimes it's easy to skip over the part where Peter denied or, you know, think of Mm -hmm. Paul instead of Saul or, you know, think of David as the man after God's own heart instead of the murderer or, you know, there there are the the flesh side and the spiritual side to all of those people. Yeah. And we need to remember that, you know, Christ is sufficient for all. Yep. So going back to your story, um, you know, you had that dream, you had the moment with devotional. What uh, what happened next with like just with your husband and your family? Like, did you go and tell them, hey, like I just had this crazy dream? You have to, 
hear about it or how, how did that transpire? By this point, because I was really wanting to learn and seeking heavily leading up to that, um, I had started a small Bible study with uh, just close family and friends, and we were meeting virtually, and we kept a thread going throughout the week so we could ask questions. No question is a dumb question. Everybody is free to inspire with, you know, putting verses in and all these different things. So that was the first place I went was my group that had been supporting and encouraging that we had kind of grown close in trying to build our faith together. That's where I shared first. (laughs) And then, you know, they were very supportive, which was good. And so then later when Ben woke up or whatever, and I saw him later, then I shared with him to see what his reaction would be too. (laughs) Yes. Anyways, and so his reaction was, of course, like, why doesn't that happen for me? I I want a sign. Yeah. Why doesn't that just and I'm like, well, everybody's different. Everybody's walk is different. Yeah. God knew how to, to reach me where I would be quiet and had to listen. Yeah. And I would believe it. And so for you, even if he flew a banner in the sky or like did some miraculous miracle in front of your eyes, would you at what point would you make the leap? You know? Yeah. So you need to think about what you're asking, do you have an open, willing heart to receive what's given? And so, I mean, that was kind of the conversation we had following, um, which he's since come to know Christ, which is super exciting. But we've had, yeah, we had a lot of in-depth conversations on scripture and um, testimony experiences, all those sorts of things for quite a while leading up to him getting in the water and making his declaration. and So do you feel like when you had that dream and you had kind of just been seeking, like, is God real? You know, what does this all mean? I have meaning. Do you feel like those things kind of all felt settled at that point? Or how did you kind of go from just that that feeling of like, okay, this is real to kind of the faith to believe, you know, God's real, what Jesus did on the cross is real. Like, how did you keep going with that thought press and kind of solidify it to where you felt like you had purpose? Yeah, I I viewed the dream as kind of the icing on the cake, the last step over the edge. It was something that was coming for many years, slowly brewing, and then it hit like that climactic peak where it's kind of now the time to step the last step. And that was what God helped me do. So I don't feel like there were a ton of all of a sudden I have to readjust all of my thinking and all these things. And oh my goodness, he's real. It was, it's like, yes, but no, because so much has built up to that, that it wasn't so out of the blue of a surprise that, hey, he is real, because it was something I was already holding in my heart and wanted validity, if that makes sense. Sure. So it's like you've kind of already done the studying and the reading yes. to know the facts of it. Yep. And it was like you needed your heart to kind of yes. and mind to combine yes. to say, like, I believe this fully. So then the next step seemed obvious. It was live for Christ. Start yep. bringing the kingdom. 
I started a you know another a Bible study at the church. It's like no, I'm all in. We're we're gonna do it, and I'm gonna do what I can to walk the walk, and He's gonna help me take the steps. And here we go. Yeah. So you were just ready at that point. Yeah. Like your questions had kind of been answered, and once you had that faith piece, yep, you were ready to just serve and pursue. Yep. Well, I appreciate you being open and honest, and uh, I think one of the things that stood out to me that you said is that when, you know, the pandemic hit, you kind of felt isolated and alone, and I know there have been a lot of people that have been in that position in the last few years. Can you recount something that, I know your husband stepped in to help you, but would you have any thoughts that you could share with someone who maybe feels in that position now, maybe a book they could read or just somewhere they could search out to kind of start them on that journey for finding purpose and meaning like you have? Mm-hmm. I think stepping out of yourself. It's So depression is very much an internal turn everything inside. You don't really look out because you're so focused on what's going on in you, like not getting out of bed, not leaving the bedroom, like none of that matters. I'm not significant. It's not important. It's, you know, the best thing, which is kind of the hardest thing is to get out of yourself, get up, get dressed. Like, even if that's just the first step. And we, like, we hadn't put roots down. So finding the church, get involved in something, serving, volunteering, giving back. Like, there's research that shows if you start to help someone else, it will help you. And so reaching outside of yourself is vital. I think that's super important. Just, yeah, when you have that perspective switch, it can also lead to gratefulness and, you know, other attributes that will help you kind of see your situation a little differently. Yeah. And I'm thankful I didn't sit there for too long. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Are there any scriptures that you... Um, just use to kind of help yourself when maybe those inklings come back or you recall it or anything that kind of helps lift you up? Knowing the Lord, I don't get depressed. I have scriptures written down that were motivating for me when I was seeking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if if you believe God has a hand on your life and a plan for you and will guide those steps— it's very difficult to see a meaningless, hopeless perspective. So, and I think that word right there, perspective, is huge. You know, where where are we focused? You know, let's mm-hmm. just like Peter when Jesus called him out on the water. You know, hey Peter, come walk on the water. Come to me. And Peter's okay until he gets on the water. Then he starts looking down, and his perspective changes. And it just shakes him, and that's where he starts sinking. And I think perspective is that's when we're focused on the Lord. When we're focused on, you know, we talked a little bit about thankfulness. Mm-hmm. You know, perspective is huge. Just of where are we looking? You know, are we like you said? Are we looking at our internal selves, or are we looking at God? Mm-hmm. So you brought up baptism a little bit. Have you ever been baptized? Yes. Twice, <laughs> as an infant and then as an adult, <laughs> when I got to choose, <laughs> when it was a declaration for me and not my parents. Yeah. yeah. 
It's funny. That's a common theme we're finding. Yeah. yeah. Did you also get baptized at a cold creek like the rest of us? I did. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yes. And the heart changed before getting in the water. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's really just a declaration yes. of saying, like, I believe this and yeah. I'm ready to tell everybody that. And I want people holding me accountable after I declare this, too. Before your decision, conversion moment, um, you had kids already at that time. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So how has your conversion moment shifted on how you raise your kids? Very different. So we homeschool. We did not start homeschooling for religious reasons at all. It was for academics. But over time, you know, and now the reason we continue to homeschool is not the same. You know, I very much have a different view of the influence we have and we want God at the center. And so, you know, we do incorporate devotionals. We incorporate Bible reading and verses in different pieces now, which we never, I never would have imagined in the beginning as a part of what we did. And yeah, I mean, my children too are very much immersed with the love for Jesus. They, yeah, they're, they're active <laughs> They're trying to bring the kingdom. I'm hoping I'm, like everyone else, making mistakes along the way, but I see them taking steps and initiative to want to bring the kingdom and want to share Jesus with other people, which is much more of a uh, goal shift for us than what we started off to do. So perspective changed. So one thing I think is I very much felt compelled to evangelize once I came to know Jesus, and I realized not everybody is looking to evangelize very heavily, but I felt like I know something others don't, and they need to. And so there's this urgency and like a fire to spread that. And so I guess when I talk to others, because if you've been immersed in the world of uh, Christianity since you were real little, you may not interact with that many non-believers or know how to approach non-believers. And so I have recommended to other people, like, put yourself in the mindset, right? Do that flip. And you may have to come at it from an analytical standpoint. You may have to get into the theology, even though you're not into theology. You may have to, you know, read some apologetic books with a friend and discuss them. You might have to invite them to church so they can hear a teacher, not so they can just engage in, you know, the actual rituals and, and pieces you think of when you go to church. But I've heard that be a struggle for people. Like, how do I, how do I talk to someone that, you know, doesn't want to think about these things or doesn't want to engage, which you do need a desire to seek in some way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just like going and trying to learn anything. If you don't have a desire to learn, you're not going to Right. But those are some things that maybe would help pull some tools out, like handing someone a Bible, if they're not even close to ready for such a thing, could deter them and not draw them. So if you grew up like the word is powerful, the word has everything you need to know in there. However, not everyone's ready to open that and know what it means or what to do with it or whatnot. So guidance yeah. is very helpful. Well, and I think that's where building a relationship with people and discipleship 
is just huge. Just getting to know the person, inviting them over. And I know you and I have spoken about this, Amanda, mm-hmm. just inviting them over for supper and getting to know their story and, you know, building that relationship because some people will not listen to anything you have to say unless they know you care first. Right. And I think that just let's yeah. do community. Let's do community and get to know each other. Get to know each other's story is huge for that to then bring in the gospel and bring in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's important to remember that there should be no compromise on what the gospel is. I mean, mm-hmm. the gospel has to stay, you know, Jesus, what he accomplished on the cross, what that forgiveness is. But I think different approaches are good and valuable. And I think scripture even speaks to that. And Paul even talks to that about, you know, he comes into the town and he's like, oh, I see you have an inscription here to an unknown God. And, you know, there's different pieces where it's like he's taking their culture or their mindsets and using it and kind of flipping their perspective and starting those conversations. But Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, to just encourage each other to share the gospel, how God has called each one to share the gospel and equipped you to because your strengths are not my strengths are not your strengths. Mm -hmm. And I think that each one has a purpose. And I think what really matters is the gospel going forward and being put out there. And I think if we can encourage each other in the realms that God's given us, then that's a picture of the body of Christ. And God always meets us where we're at. So I believe that firmly. And I see that over and over again in the Bible. So He'll give you what you're ready for. Yeah. And I think it is, it, it's a very individual journey. Yeah. I mean, no one can come to faith for you. You have to decide, you know, where you stand and who you believe and what you believe. And yeah, no one can, no one can get saved for you. You have to decide who Jesus is to you and if you accept it or deny it. I think it's just always really neat to hear how God works so individually in everybody's life that Mm -hmm. he calls and, you know, knows exactly what you need and what information you needed. And um, I think it's great that you didn't shy away from asking the questions, you know, and seeking and really looking for answers because I think God can withstand that. Like there is proof and he is there and he's real. So you can can ask and look into it and and you're going to find the answer if you're seeking. God is going to meet you there. Like where he says, you know, if you seek, you'll find me. So these were relevant to me in my my walk. So one is, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. And that's from Psalm 41 to 2. And the other is ask and it will be given to you, which I think this is what you were saying. So ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. And that's Matthew 7, 7, 8. So Amanda, one last question. For those who are on a journey of maybe academia and just trying to figure out the facts and trying to figure out, is God real? Is is there the evidence there? And they're missing that one piece. What would you say to them? 
how would you encourage them? Keep seeking. Start praying. So those would be big ones. Praying is what changed. I opened the line of communication. It was now going in both directions. So prayer is big. Uh, If you can get to the point of saying a prayer and asking, and that door will be opened. I also have, I put together a list of a lot of the different books that brought me along on my faith journey, and I have shared that document with other people. And there's been books added to it over time. So if anyone wants that list of books, I am more than happy to share them. Awesome. And listeners, if you need a copy of that list, just feel free to send us an email uh, or reach out via Instagram or Facebook, and we'll be more than happy to share that. Amanda, thank you so much for sharing your God story, and thank you for encouraging us to keep that communication line open and to have that perspective of just focusing on the Lord. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of The What Project. If you would like to stay connected, go follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We hope that you have a great week and that you will join us again on the next episode of The What Project.